welcome to Moving Upstream Without a Paddle, the podcast that helps develop a mindset for success. I'm your host, Dr. Garrett Goggins, but most people call me Dr. G. Now, I've dedicated my life to helping others understand that if you have the proper mindset, you can propel yourself up that proverbial stream with no paddle needed. Now, if you're constantly feeling like you're going against the flow, but you're never happy with your results, it's really time to flip your mindset. If that's something that you're ready to do, you've come to the right place. Now let's get to it. Okay, so we are finally live, finally, with Robin Tapp. Uh, that was a little interesting exercise trying to get us on this, wasn't it? Yeah. Technology, yay. <laughs> Technology, yay. So, Robin, I'm so glad that you were, um, we were able to get on and that um, we can actually have a conversation. Uh, like I told you in the, in, before we, we started, that I always like to give my guests just the center stage and let them talk about themselves and, and really whatever they're inspired to, to, to talk about. And then we'll just go from there. So uh, go ahead, take it away. Okay, well, great. Thank you so much, Garrett. I really appreciate your inviting me on your show. Um, well, first of all, again, my name is Robin Tapp, and I have been a bodywork therapist for almost 30 years. I graduated massage school in 1991, but that was after I had a five-year um, professional life as an engineer in the Air Force. And so my background is very science-based. I, I tell people that even though I do things that people think are a little woo-woo, they're actually very science-based because that's just my, my personality. If, if it's, not, it's not interesting to me if um, it just is somebody's belief and it, it can't be um, at least de demonstrated time and time again. So um, what I do now is I, I started out as a massage therapist, but um, about 20 years ago, I had a really bad sled riding accident where I flipped over and slammed the back of my head into the into the ice, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And I was having some really awful symptoms that we couldn't figure out what was going on. I went to the doctors. They couldn't figure out what it was. And my husband finally introduced me to somebody he had graduated from the Rolfing Institute with who had switched over from rolfing, which is a real heavy body work, to this really light touch work called craniosacral therapy. And the beauty was within like three sessions, he got rid of about 75 to 80% of the pain that I was having. I was having shooting pains down my arms and in my hands, and I, I couldn't work from it. And um, I was just intrigued. I couldn't believe that this, he just basically just putting his hands on me very, very lightly. And I was having this amazing results when nobody else could, I was, I was going to acupuncturists and all kinds of people. So anyway, um, as he was working on me, he would talk and tell me what he was noticing inside my body. And I noticed that I could feel that too. Um, and so as we were talking more and more, he said, you know, I think you'd be really good at this because you're, you're sensitive enough to feel what's going on inside yourself. You can learn to feel it inside of other people. And so that's what I do is um, by working with my hands in a very, very gentle way, I can actually help resolve a lot of issues that um, a lot of other therapies just can't. And um, I really love what I do. And because as we get older, you know, I, I wasn't able to continue the heavy, deep massage therapy that I was working with people on. Um, this, this actually worked out really, really well so that I, I don't have to physically work so hard and I can still affect great results inside people's bodies. 
That, so this is something completely new for me. Never heard it. I've, I've actually heard of rolfing before and obviously the massage therapy or um, that's, that's, I think everybody knows about that. So tell me how with the light touching, I mean, just can maybe explain the process and, and how you can actually feel just from light touching of what's going on in someone's body. Well, sure. Um, well, the first premise of, of any kind of body work is that we're we're a whole being. And um, I'm sure that you've heard of energy work and um, how that works. I kind of work with the bridge. So the bridge in the, inside the body is actually the fluid. And there's a collagen matrix called the fascia. And the, that's how the, the energy moves through our body. And when there's a when there's a restriction, um, well, let me back up a little bit. There's actually a movement pattern in this fascia in, inside of our body that's very, very subtle. And so people say, well, if, if I can't feel it, it shouldn't, it doesn't exist. Well, would you say that about a dog? If you, just because you can't hear the dog whistle doesn't mean the dog can't hear it, right? right. So we're actually trained to, to feel these very, very subtle movement patterns in the body. And we're trained to know um, what each organ, what each joint is supposed to feel like. And when it's not in that right in that correct pattern, we know that there's a restriction somewhere. Um, so with my hands, and um, there was a um, very famous uh, osteopath, actually, his name was Roland Becker. He called it thinking, feeling, knowing hands or fingers. And so I'm actually going in with a very perceptual, um, very, I, 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 ha I hold the anatomy in my in my mind's eye. So that I know kind of what's going, where, where it is. And then I just let my fingers tell me what's going on and where the pattern is restricted. But the cool thing is, is I don't create the treatment plan. The body has its own treatment plan. I just have to find where the restriction is, hold, hold that for that person. And then the person's system actually corrects it themselves. Um, and what makes that so beautiful is that there's never going to be, as long as I'm very, as I'm grounded and I'm doing my part, which is holding the space, um, we're never going to over, we're never not going to re-traumatize the person because, um, that person's body is only going to do as much as it knows it can handle. Right. Right. So, and then how much of that, while you're going through that, so is how much of that do you find are people are actually blocking themselves? So like, is cause it, my dog is having a nightmare. Apparently, this is not a, <laughs> the greatest day for for a podcast. It's please. okay. <laughs> so, um, so because I know that when I get, and I say mindset. So to me, it's when I am mentally fatigued or stressed or whatever. I see the results in my body, and I actually get it more in my shoulder, big knots or whatever. So, mm. when you're saying that you're reducing the um, you know, you're holding it and you're, and you're grounded. What's the, pro, what is, what is the, I guess, how am I trying to say this? What is the, the, your, your client, what's their end of that deal? I mean, are they supposed to like, what's their job in, in, in this whole process? Um, that, that's a great question. Um, it really, it varies depending upon what's going on. Sometimes I, a lot of time, actually, I have people that it'll just fall asleep and or be in that kind of twilight zone right before you fall asleep. They'll kind of fall in that really deep place. That's actually a very healing place because then you you let go of all the resistance. Um, that's really what these what these blockages are is the resistance and um, trauma in in vernacular of craniosacral therapists is basically just too much too fast for the system to handle, and um, so the body 
basically walls it off or, or holds it in a, in a holding pattern because it doesn't know how to process it. My my job then is to just kind of find it and and kind of mirror that back to the person, and then the the person's system actually takes over with that. Um, sometimes we'll talk it through. Um, if there's some emotional pieces to it, um, sometimes it's just a, I'm talking through, tell me what you're feeling so that just to keep them focused on what's going on inside their bodies. So it really does vary depending upon the, the treatment. That's very interesting. So interesting. And I, I, this again, so this is really new for me. So I've, I've really been getting into, um, I've been listening to a guy, and I think the last time we talked, I, I told you about him. His name is Greg Braden, and he was really he was getting really in depth with what the body, him and 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 Dr. Joe Dispenza, the, mm-hmm. both of them combined, bringing out what your body, how it can heal itself. I mean, basically through meditation, through all these other little aspects that when you can get yourself into, I guess. I'll go back a second. Most of us are in this this fight or flight scenario, right? We, we live in the survival mode. And with that type of stress, our, our bodies go through a, a whole bunch of undue, you know, processes that we, it, we're not designed for. We're really designed to have some downtime so, our, so that that natural healing process can come out. And so this sounds like to me, that's just another avenue of saying, let's just kind of, you know, collapse everything let's get you you know to a point where we're no longer in this survival mode and then and you're just bringing the attention right mm-hmm. so i think dr joe Dispenza says a lot this you know wherever your wherever your attention is at wherever your focus is at that's where the energy is going so if yeah. i can bring the attention there you can bring the attention there and then let the body just kind of do its own thing is that is that kind of what i'm i'm understanding that that's that's pretty much it. I mean, uh, we we are electrical beings. We are we are energy and we are vibration, um, and we we process that through the nervous system. And so, what you're what basically what you're describing is um, an imbalance in the autonomic nervous system. Um, the word craniosacral comes from the fact that we work a lot with the cerebral spinal fluid which is the fluid that, that cushions and surrounds the brain and then goes all the way down the spinal cord. It also goes out into our body. And this fluid system that we have, um, as I said, it's, it's kind of the conduit where the energy moves through us. And um, when, when we've had a shock to the system, particularly if, if you're talking about a, a trauma, like an emotional trauma or something, or even if it's a, like a really bad car accident that has emotional pieces to it, you're going to affect the autonomic nervous system. And so we want to try to rebalance that. That's a huge part of what I do. Um, the, beauty, the, the wonderful thing, and, and this is what gets me all, all giddy, is that when you get really sensitive with your hands, you can literally feel the brain itself moving and the, and the spinal cord moving and, the, um, and, and whether or not they're moving in harm, everything is moving in harmony with each piece. And um, it's such a beautiful thing when, when something resolves and then that, that part where I have my hands actually feels, it's almost like when you, when you go into a symphony and you know, at first they're tuning up their instruments and it's kind of chaotic. And then when they come together and play a piece of music, it's that feeling. It's that, ah, it's beautiful. Right. That's, that's pretty awesome. So like in the session, what is it? How many sessions does it take? I mean, maybe this is 
very subjective to whomever is coming in and how severe their the blockage is or whatever. But and typically, how many sessions does it take to really to cause this this ease in their everything that's going on with them? Well, typically somebody will feel something the very first session. Um, it may not be be a complete resolution of what they came in for, depending upon what the what the um, magnitude of it, depending on how old it is, the newer something is. Um, I had a gentleman come in after a really, really bad car accident where he, he broke a couple of ribs, punctured a lung. Um, he came in a couple of times and he was back on the road to recovery and he resolved a lot of it, but, but he came in within a week of the actual accident. Um, somebody that's been holding on to a trauma for 20 years, of course, they've layered other stuff on top of it. Um, so it, it is really um, an individual thing. But the, the lovely thing is with my with my work is because we're letting the body do the resolving of the issue. I'm not doing it. I'm, I'm actually just the facilitator. Um, the body, the, the person doesn't seem to go backwards um, unless they step uh, purposely step back into it. So, right. for example, if somebody's in a, um, a troublesome relationship and they start coming to see me and then they they leave that relationship, if they if they go back, of course, they're going to re-traumatize. But as long as they they do their part um, after they leave my office, they don't tend to backslide much, if at all. So when they come back in my office, I see them right where they left off, if not a little bit better than when they left my office the first time. Oh, well, that's that's cool. That's that's pretty awesome. The body is just I don't know, the more I the more I dig into it. I mean, obviously, listening to you and. I've just been doing some reading and then the two gentlemen, um, Greg Braden and Joe Dispenza. And there's some other people out there that <clears throat> talk about what our bodies can do. It just completely fascinates me. Yeah. It completely fascinates me. And a lot of it though comes from, and uh, as you probably know, this, the podcast really is just resolve revolves around mindsets. And so my question is, so we, we say that when people come to you, but it, does, do they have to have um, a re be receiving for that? Like what if they come to you and they're like, I don't necessarily believe that this is going to work. So do they have to like let go of all that, um, that kind of paradigm aspect? Like you were saying earlier, a lot of people s tend to think that what you do is sort of woo-woo. So do you ever have clients come in and say, uh, and and nothing happens? Or is it something that you feel like because we are uh, utilizing energy, it just really, it happens just in the natural way that the body is supposed to do it. If that makes um, sense. It does, it does. And it, as you know, paradigms are subconscious. Right. So they might consciously be saying, I don't think this is, this is anything. And their subconscious will be ready for it. And sometimes vice versa. One of the things that I do with a very new patient is I'm trying to establish a connection. It's just like if you were like when you and I first met, um, you know, when we first start a conversation, you, you we aren't getting into deep topics right away necessarily. It's the same inside the body um, that that person's system has to kind of get get to know me, get used to me. I have to do a, some negotiation to make sure that um, that system doesn't I, it doesn't feel like I'm trying to push in. Because as, as we know, if somebody tries to push into our space, what do we do? We back up. And and our, our subconscious, our energy body, the ethereal body is no different from that. Um, so there are there, there have been quite a few people where I've been working with them. And I've just had to really 
not physically move back from them, but kind of uh, intentionally move away from them, just step step back behind myself, as it were, so that to give that person some space just to, so that they can feel feel out the situation so they can feel safe. And that's truly the the underlying the underpinning thing is they need to be need to feel safe, comfortable and um, in control of whatever's going on in that room, because it, it's not about me. It's about them. Right. Uh, very interesting. But I'm curious <clears throat> because you said that you were you were in engineering <laughs> in in the Air Force. And and I know this. I you told me your story, so I, I, I have a little bit about this. But what I, what's what's so intriguing to me is this is the um is the switch. Because obviously you said, you know, there's still science. So you you still got some science backing behind it. So there's that part's intriguing. But what was it like to make that transition from, you know, going from engineering the Air Force to doing massage type therapy to what you're doing now? And and like, what was your thought process? Did you, did you, were you like, was there some fear involved in that? And did you have to overcome that fear? Or what was what did that look like for you? Um, I, I think there was a little bit of a of fear of uh, not really fear, um, more concern what other people thought um because it, it was a, it was a, a big transition in other people's eyes um but what happened was um unfortunately my mom was killed in an accident uh she was very young and that was that was a big shock in my world and what kept coming to mind is that she worked every day of her life i mean she literally came home from work and then was killed in an accident and um that didn't escape me and i i started thinking about what i wanted to do and how i wanted to live my life and I, I loved what I did. I, I, I think the, um, the military does a great job with defending our, this nation. And, but they owned me 24 mm seven, -hmm. literally they, you, you are a resource. And so that started playing in my mind. Um, and then the other piece was, you know, what am I doing here? And I, you know, this was right right around the time when I'd made my decision was right around the, the time that we went into Iraq the first time. And I it, it suddenly dawned on me that the satellites that I was helping to put up in the sky was were actually helping to drop bombs on people. And that that shook my world a little bit, too. That's it's uh, just wasn't a comfortable thing for me to think about and to be a part of. Um, not that it, there's anything bad about it, because we need to to. It, just like our bodies have a defense system, our, our nations need to have a defense system too. But it wasn't my it wasn't my place, and I could feel that I could feel that that energy shift in me that that really wasn't what I was put on on this earth to do. Um, and I had a friend who started talking to me about massage therapy. So when I started taking classes, I realized I realized how similar the human body was to a satellite. We have an electrical system, we have a computer, uh, we have a fluid system, um, we need energy. And so it, it, it kind of, to me, the transition wasn't as big as everybody else was seeing it from the outside. The funny thing was, is I, I kept here. I, I, the biggest thing I would say is like, I really want to work for myself or I, or I really, I, I don't want to be become part of the politics of the, of the the machine, all those kinds of things. And people saying, Oh, it's the same on the outside. And I kept saying, that's why I want to work for myself. If I'm the only person in the office, the only politics I can have or the only uh, dispute I can have is with myself. So I, I did that. And um, I, I've loved every minute of that. Right. So I, I, you know, I only asked this because I went through the change too. So I started off in something complete. I started off in, in designing houses and, and drawing house plans and mm -hmm. construction documents. 
And then I went, when the housing market crashed in 2009, there always seems to be a catalyst that makes the shift in what you're trying to do, right? So the housing market crashed in 2009, and I said, well, you know, I really enjoyed more the program that I used to draw the houses, the CAD program. So I really got into programming. So I went, my shifted everything and went for computer science. And then the real interesting thing is I went all the way. So I got my doctorate in computer science. Mm-hmm. And then I said, well, but that's, I'm, but I still felt empty. Like it's, mm-hmm. this, is, this is not where I'm feeling fulfilled. And it was, and sort of the same thing. Like I'm still working for someone else. And I, and once I got to the doctorate or something that just really, I wanted to teach and I, I couldn't, pinpoint what why and where but i just kept getting this draw to teach and so that's actually you know the whole premise of like i'm gonna get the doctorate because i always wanted it but i really want to teach people then after i got the doctorate, i realized i didn't want to teach computer science (laughs) i want (laughs) i realized like what you know that that there was these things that were going on inside of me worth this the, the my mental aspect of coming from where I was, a lot of people know that I, I dropped out of high school, ran away from home. So I, how I got myself to, to, from there to the doctorate, that was more intriguing to me. And I wanted to help people to do that. So, um, but I was scared. <laughs> I had, that's why I was, was asking you about the fear. Cause I would have, I, and I still sometimes to this day is the whole, this whole piece is still fairly new to me and I'm crossing all these fear barriers. So, but you know, it's interesting that you say that um it, that wasn't a, as big as a transition as most people would think and i'm finding that out the same for me because everything i was doing i was kind of doing with the passion i had for things and now it's just it's, it's a different title but it's the same passion so there's really not that much of a shift for me either and i think that that i thought it was important to bring that out because people are scared to make shifts and in the in the where we're at in today's day and age things are changing and they're yeah. changing in, in in a fashion that we're, i don't think we're ever going to get have the normal that we used to have i think this is going to be completely different and i so I, I i just respect the fact that you took a shift you took a pivot and here you are and enjoying what you're doing loving what you're doing and and to me that's whether you're, I don't, I don't know your financial status and I really don't care because as long <laughs> as you enjoy what you're doing and you're working for yourself, you're successful, right? So right. Just tell me more about just some of the wins and things that you felt with that transition. Like, you know, did you feel free? I, I just, I want the feelings that were coming from that transition. Oh, absolutely. And first, let me go back to what you were saying. And, and one of the biggest things that I've noticed is I am healthier today than I was in my 20s. Um, because I'm happier. And I, I really do believe those go hand in hand. It's when we become the wholeness of ourself, that's part of the holistic piece of the, of health. And it, it shows up in our physical health too. Um, I, I, people are always surprised to know that, that, you know, I'm almost 60 years old and it's like, they, they look at me and say, there's, you know, there's no way. And it's, it's because I'm ha- I'm just a happy person and uh, my time is my own. So to answer, go back to answer your question. That's that's really the biggest piece. Is um, I I own my time. I I and we work. My husband and I both work out of our homes, so that's that's a lovely thing. Is I don't have a another space to have to take care of. Um, we we were able to find a home that that was a perfect fit for us. Uh, we have a hole downstairs that's our office, and so we 
we literally live on top. It's it's like the old storefront where the, the family lived on top of the store, right? Um, we kind of do that in our home. Um, and I, I love that. Um, and the, the cool thing is that because I own my own time, if I feel like take, taking a walk, I, I can go leave my house and drive two, three minutes and get, in, get on a hiking trail and go for a hike. That's one of the healthiest things we can do is, is to get outside of nature and to get a little bit of movement in our body and, and to de-stress. Um, if I decide that um, I need to do something to take care of my home because, you know, I, I don't have to drive from my office and come here and like do something and then go back like I used to. So all of those things um, really make, make me a happier person. And um, I, I, the freedom, like you said, the freedom is just huge. That's, that's a huge piece for me. Yeah. And you know, since we were talking about the body and it's healing, healing itself, I think there's an interesting concept that's out there that when we when you get to a state to where you're at right now where you're happy and you're free and you're doing things on your terms and you're not um and, and you're letting the, the the healing process that your body goes through there there's this there's this concept that there's that's where the fountain of youth actually comes into and that when you're in in tune with the energy that's that's around you and and within you that um, your body can, it heals itself to, to almost in, in a reversal stage. Like you actually can go back in time a little bit. And, and um, I always thought that was an interesting concept because you no, know, it's just like the Holy grail thing. People are looking for this actual cup and it could be whatever, but it's just so interesting because of how our bodies are made that that literally could be this, you know, they call it the fountain of youth back in the day, but it could have just been this knowledge that doing things in tune with the energy of your body and the universe or whatever, it, it actually does. I don't want to say stop time because time's still going to kind of go, but it definitely does maybe slow it down a little bit, especially with how our body ages and, and throughout, because literally you really don't look like you're, you're 60 years old. <laughs> I was, when you first told me that, I was like, what? No, no. So, I mean, I yeah, I'll be 58 in a couple months. Yeah. That, Wow, that's crazy. I mean, you look great for it. I'm 45 and I feel like I look older than you do. So. <laughs> uh, actually, I'm 46. I turned 46 this year. See, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to go back. <laughs> so, well, I mean, and I, I do agree with you with that. I mean, that, that's really, um, I, I mean, you, you've seen this. You've seen people who have lived their lives uh, just toiling away physically. We always think it's just the physical activity. But you see some people who are physically active and they don't look like that. So what's the difference? The difference is um, how we manage the stress because the stress is what um, is what slows the, the energy down in our body and doesn't allow it to move through us as well. And if we can if we can do things that will help manage that and to help and to help let that energy flow again, um, it, it it can turn, but I, you know, I, I'm not going to say, say we're going to live forever, obviously, but um, we can definitely slow that aging process down. I mean, genetics, we, we think genetics is this big blueprint, but that we, we can switch. There are, there are little genetic switches that we have and we can switch those um, through what we eat, through um, maybe some products that we take, maybe the, the amount of um, movement we have, uh, how much, how much time we have with other people, all of those things can affect those, those little switches. And they're finding that more and more that uh, like meditation and things like Joe Dispenza talks about is can be huge with that. Right. 
Yeah, he he does, and I think that's probably no him. And again, I, I keep referencing the both of them because they they kind of go hand in hand. But Greg yeah. Braden also talked about that too with the DNA. You know, when when you get into this heart brain coherence, um, a lot of interesting things can happen, and um, like completely re triggering the right DNAs. In, um, and I, I'm not a scientist in that form, so I'm speaking way outside of my realm, but it, just, <laughs> it triggers things that, um, and the, the, it kind of goes into this, the sense, a lot of people hear stories about, and I actually knew somebody, they had cancer, so it was stage four cancer, and they had given them you know mo- months to live. And so oh. she said, well, awesome, if I'm gonna have months to live, I'm gonna, I'm gonna live. And she sold everything she had and, and went to, I think she went to Hawaii and just stayed there, spent all of her money and just relaxed. had a great time, came back and, um, cancer was completely gone. And then now what? (laughs) So (laughs) what do you do now? But it it was interesting. And she really went on this whole thing of, cause that's what she was, you know, once I reduced the stress, I didn't have those toxins going in there and the body it it rejuvenates or it just does what it does and what it was created to do and it's just kind of yes. because i could talk about this i can geek out on this even though i don't know yeah. the complete science behind it it fascinates me to to no end yeah and and i i'll i'll share a story too because it doesn't always have people always think you have to go away and not do anything and, right. and you know go to Hawaii or whatever, become a hermit. I actually know a woman who uh, developed a, a progressive brain disease that they said would probably kill her in, a, in two and a half to three years tops. And she said, well, if I, if, if I only have that much time, there's always something I've wanted to do. And what she did is she started a non- nonprofit at the army base here for Carson uh, to help the families of some of the lower ranking uh, soldiers. And she started this huge nonprofit that was 10 years ago and she's still going strong, but it was because it was something she loved and she felt passionate about. And um, because she got so much support, she felt supported in life as well. And, um, and the, the last time I talked to her, she said she went back to a, the doctor to see what was going on with this progression and the progression had basically stopped. He said, it's not going to reverse probably, but it's stopped. So we don't know how long you have. You could, you could live another 10, 15 years. We don't know. Right. And do you feel that, um, what you, what the work that you do that, um, that people who are in these situations, so we're, we're talking about these, these, these cases, right? Um, cancers and, and tumors and all this, do you feel like the things that you do can help regulate the energy for that type of that stuff? Um, I do. I do. Um, because we're not, we don't, I don't work just with the tissues. Um, I, I can work with the, 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 what the tissues are doing. So um, the enzymes that are being created, I, you can feel all of that. Um, and I'll, I'll share another story. I, I had a client for, about 16 years, who was a heart transplant patient. And he came to me after about six years post-surgery, I believe it was something like that, six or seven years. And he was having a really rough time, um, mainly emotionally, because he the heart he had received was from a 17-year-old boy that had died in a car accident. And he felt very guilty about that, that he lived and this young boy died. 
Um, so we worked with him. And one of the first things that happened uh, that his, his wife um, noticed was he was a propagator of violets. He loved he loved working with flowers. And I actually have one behind me here that he gave me many years ago. Um, but we worked with him for 16 years. And the his cardiologist said we probably gave him an extra six years with that heart. Because uh, usually at, at about the 16, 15 to 16 year mark is um, the heart usually starts giving out. And the interesting thing is this gentleman had given me a book called The Heart's Code. And it was written by a man who was a, a counselor who worked with transplant patients. And he he documented all of these things about how the energy inside the body and particularly around the heart, the heart, is, heart has more energy around it than anything, including the brain. Um, that when that is not coherent, as you were saying, if it's not coherent with the rest of the body, it'll, the heart will start to fail. Mm -hmm. And by, by working with me for that long, we were able to keep the coherency going, um, in a way that let him live a, a longer life and get to meet his granddaughter and some things that he didn't expect. <laughs> I needed to take a time out to give a quick shout out to my friends and sponsor, Tabala Cuisine. If you're a local to the Colorado Springs area, I would strongly suggest to go to their website at tabalacuisine.com, find out their next location, and rush over to put your taste buds in a state of bliss. The food is amazing. And truly, there really is no better way to prepare yourself for flipping your mindset than to get into a positive space with good friends and good food. So go see my good friends Jasper Axelrad and the crew at Tabala Cuisine today. You'll be happy that you did. I feel like now I just want to research what you do at a, at a deeper level. Because again, it is, it, the, how we were made and whoever, however you feel like we were made, whether it's God or whatever, it's it just... There's just a whole lot of just fascinating things that are going on with it. And um, so you talked about the heart, too. So the energy that's in the heart um, and we the, the heart coherence, brain coherence and, and meditation. So all this kind of stuff kind of plays plays along in this, too. So I'm going to I'm going to ask you just there. There are so meditation people and and um, acupuncture because i think if i if i understand acupuncture right it's, it's another way of just getting the energy to flow in the way it's supposed to flow um so are are there people uh, professions i guess that you work closely with because i'm what i'm trying to do is say that if you're going for acupuncture what the what robin does is actually a, a good um addition to that i guess is the best way to say that so are there people that you work closely with that if someone is is in that type of therapy that coming and and, and sitting with you and having some sessions with you would be very beneficial for them well the first uh, um any of the the physical body works uh, chiropractic massage even physical therapy um what i've noticed is that when they come in and get some work from me then whatever they're doing in these other modalities holds better. It, it because the the what usually what these other um, um, practitioners are doing tends to be a little more forceful 
Mm-hmm. And by by g- giving the body a chance to uh, kind of uh, dovetail what 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 they're getting done to them with what their body needs, it actually lets those things um, stand better. So I, I notice people tell me that their that their treatments last longer when I'm working with their that same patient. Um, with the energy workers, I, I love working with energy workers. I think that's a, a great modality, but my, my work tends to be a lot more specific. So uh, again, I have a lot of background in anatomy and physiology. So I know what the, you know, what the organ is supposed to feel like. And, and it actually, the organ, each of the organs moves and has, should have, there's always a sliding uh, plate and that place can get sticky. And if that, so if that organ isn't moving properly the way it's supposed to, then it's not going to be functioning as well. And energy work, you can find that. But if you're, if you, I mean, think of it, think of it this way. If you had a brain tumor, would you want a general surgeon, um, a, a, a head surgeon or a neurosurgeon? You want a neurosurgeon, right? Because they're, they're the one that has the more detailed information about how that's supposed to work. Right. Right. Huh. So, so fascinating. So tell me more outside of your work. Tell me more about things that you have going on that are, that are keeping you looking so young. I mean, what, <laughs> so you made the transition to your job and I, and I'm, you know, we are in the same group. So we, we kind of work with the same, we have our mentor, Bob Proctor, and, and we, most of the people I find that I'm running in the same circles with now that I've, I've transitioned to, some major personal development. So, I mean, what, what kind of spawned you to go in, in, in with that? And because to me, that's, that's, it is, it is more mindset aspect and maybe that's just what I'm taking from it. But so what, what are you looking at with, with, you know, furthering your personal development outside of what you're doing with? uh, Well, I I think that's a great question. And as, as you said earlier, you know, the, the world is a huge change right now. And there was a change in my in my situation um, this past year because with COVID, I was not allowed to to see patients as much as I had previously. So it did, you know, it put it put a damper on some things. So I started some new some other new avenues for income stream that were way outside my comfort zone. And so the so using Bob Proctor um, and thinking into results, using those kinds of programs and a lot of meditation. Um, has helped me kind of get over some of my own fears. Um, I, I, I never used to have to be a salesperson. Um, I never used to have to really sell, sell what I did. And, um, I've gotten into a sales, um, situation with some outside income sources that is really, really uncomfortable for me. So, um, that, that's something that I, that, I, I think is really important that we know that sometimes we're going to have to, we're going to get pushed into something that's, that's uncomfortable and that feels like too much change too quickly. So where do we go to get the, get the help and the support we need to make those changes? Because we're not going back. The, the, this is not this, we're never going to go back to what we were a year ago. So we might as well move forward and, and get a little help along the way. Right. Right. And what's interesting is you say you said you know you never had to be in this uncomfortable a lot of that i mean most everything when it comes to making pivots or making shifts which a lot of people are having to do nowadays is it's internal work and i i recognize that real fast is like because i can go do anything 
But I mean, I'm, I'm physically able to, but am I mentally able to, do, do I have that? Because I, so I had, I have this thing about talking on, I used to, I don't anymore because of the work that we've been doing through the program that we're in. I used to have this thing about talking on the phone. It would cause me severe anxiety. I, I, I when the phone would ring and I would freak and everything in me would tense up and it was, it was just not a good thing. Um, but going, I knew that there are some things that I had to get over. So I started a web development company and, um, I had to network with that. So there was, I had to talk on the phone and then I had another issue with me that I had a personal space thing. Like I, you got too close to me and I would get anxiety. Like, I don't know, like, this is my dance space. This is your dance space. And so you just <laughs> stay over there. But this, that personal development aspect has an understanding that I was telling myself that I had these issues, right? I'm not a salesperson or I'm not this, or I'm not that the words are very important to what we're using. And so the more I told myself that I had, I had anxiety talking on the phone, the more anxiety I got about talking on the phone. So it's interesting that you're saying that, you know, you have to do something and you felt like you weren't there and you had to go get that help. And you, and I, if you're like me, you found that that help came from, it was all internal. There's all stuff that you had to do on the inside. And then all that external stuff just sort of started to fall in place. Yeah, and the programs, whatever program you, you somebody chooses to use, it's usually just a mirror. You know, it, it, again, it's looking within. Um, and I, I, I think that a belief is just something you keep, a thought you keep thinking, something you keep telling yourself, like you said. And, um, but so it, it, it's almost like it has momentum, and it, and it keep. It's hard to not think those things unless sometimes we can see ourselves from somebody else's viewpoint. And then you say, oh, that, that isn't as bad as I thought it was, or, um, oh, I, I, I did that and it, I didn't die, <laughs> you know? Um, Cause you think you're gonna, there's, there's, I mean, there can be some, so much anxiety. It feels like you're gonna die. Um, I, actually a couple of years ago, I, I ended up in the hospital uh, with, I, they, they found a heart palpitation that um, they couldn't figure out what it was. And I, I finally realized what it was. It was just that when I would come up against something and rather than pushing through it, I'd keep bumping up against it and then I would back away. And then I, when I came up against it again, it was like the wall got bigger. And um, when I finally broke through it, I, I don't have that, have the issue anymore that my cardiologist actually cut me loose. So um, yeah, I mean, again, all of this stuff affects our physical health and, if I hadn't worked on that, I probably would would have developed a chronic heart condition that I would have to possibly take medicine for or something. But um, because I worked through it, it, it didn't manifest into that full blown problem. Right, right. That's cool. I, I like it. So I want to surprise you because I do things at the end of the getting close to the end of the podcast, and I have this. This um, these things called pod decks, and they're just random questions. So we've been talking pretty specifically about um, you know what you do and and how we met and our, our commonalities with you know um, with personal development mindsets and and um, but so these have absolutely nothing to do with that. But it does they do tend to spawn some really interesting conversation for the the last um, like twenty minutes we have, and so. Um, I'm just going to pick some three random questions and they're not just for you. They're for both of us. I have to answer them too. So you're not the only one on the hotspot <clears throat> and um, we'll just go from there. Um, 
So the first one says, what is something you get wrong almost every time you do it? <laughs> oh, that's a really good one. Um, basically, when I when I first meet somebody and try to strike up a, um, a friendship with them, I, I almost always step on somebody's toes. Um, I, I, I don't know how I, but I hone in on the one thing that they're, that they're sensitive about and I'll, I'll make a joke or something. <laughs> and then I'm kind of backpedaling like, it was just a joke. I didn't mean it. <laughs> That's funny. Mine is cooking chicken. I, I cannot, <laughs> I just can't do it. It's either not done or, or too done. And I blame, I blame my ex-wife on that one because she liked it burnt, right? Cause she just hated the texture of the chicken. And so mm -hmm. that's really the only way I ever learned how to cook it was to make it palatable for her. Bone and dry. <laughs> that doesn't work for everybody. And so I just don't know how to do it and I can't get it right. And I have a friend who cooks and he's like, you just got to do this. Like, nope, doesn't work. Hasn't worked yet. So chicken, I get it wrong every time, every time <laughs> I try to do it. Uh, all right. Next question. If you can instantly become, uh, if you can instantly become one, what would you want to be an expert in? Oh, hmm. I want to be an expert in. Gosh, um, that's, that's, a hard that's one. really, a, that is a tough one. Probably, um, probably in this energy stuff, because I, I, I'm so intrigued with the whole um, physics part of, of life that I, I can start, to, I'm starting to see how, you know, the physics impacts us on a much bigger level, the, the whole, um, uh, what they call Einstein's, the, the theory of relativity and the, the non-locality, non all that kind of stuff. I, I would love to, to be understand that better so that I can understand some of the stuff that people like Joe Dispenza and Greg, Greg Braden talk about because I, um, I, I, I didn't get to study that much. I, I studied thermodynamics and things like that, so, um, which still fit, but it's, it's, not, it, it, it's just so crazy what we're starting to learn more and more about. Yeah. And well, that's, I'd have to give the same answer because that's really the path I'm going down now is I'm really trying to find the, and well, and I, I'm, I'm doing this more on, on the holistic approach of just the body, right? Because I believe that, you know, we as humans are trying to grow and, 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 but do it holistically. So not just, obviously we're doing mindsets and we're doing personal development, but I think that goes with, with physical fitness, health, and, um, even the spiritual aspect of it. So I'm, um, I'm a pretty spiritual person and I love how all this, and I'm really starting to connect the dots between what I'm hearing in from science to spirituality. Right. If it, as long as you don't put a religion to it, right. Is if you can just say, we're just going to talk, we're just going to talk in just the spiritual aspect of it. And there's, there's such a huge correlation there. And one that I was always taught growing up, um, that as a Christian, you can't, there's, you can't, you can't have a science background because they just, you know, they don't believe with each other. And then you listen to Greg Brayton talk and there's a lot of, a lot of scientists don't believe you can have a spiritual religious background because there's no, no data to it. But 
through listening to them, I'm really starting to research a lot of there are commonalities and there are connections between those and that I think I would love just to be an expert on. So that, that would be mine. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm kind of the same with the whole religion aspect. And I, I think when usually when religions got started, they were in a really pure place. And then they slowly kind of it's it's almost like the fractal. If you think about what fractals are, right, you, they start to break apart and they and then all of a sudden there's five people that think slightly differently. And then there's 25 people that think slightly differently and they they start their own um, religions and um, it ends up being kind of a self-perpetuating thing. They, it's about, it's, it becomes less about helping the person live a, a whole life and more about perpetuating the religion. So um, it's a, it, it, it's, you know, I, I always go back to that too. And I, and I also have friends on that other realm, like you were saying that are very um, physically bound earth, oriented and they don't even want to think about what happens when we die but the first law of thermodynamics is energy is neither created nor destroyed so where does it go we have to go somewhere our physical bodies are still here but the part that animates us is is still somewhere we just don't know where it is yet right and that's that's fascinating just all on its own so every, everything this 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 whole journey that I've gone through this this past I would say year because I think I started this at the end of 2019, I've just un unlocked so many things that have just fascinated fascinated me to a point where wow I mean I, where do I go with this now it's just it's unbelievable. All right, last question. Okay. Which living person do you most admire? That's oh, that's an easy one, Albert Einstein. <laughs> Yeah, um, because I, I believe he was one of the one of the few people that w were in what I would call the flow. And, and we have a friend, a mutual friend that talks about being in the flow. Um, but, it, you know, that's I don't know if you if you've ever heard this story, but he was working on um, his theory, the special theory of relativity e equals MC squared. And he had this huge chalkboard full of all these equations and diagrams and all this stuff. And his head was just flooded with all this information. So he decided to go for a walk and he had a favorite lake right outside um, the university that he would like to, he'd like to walk around. And that's when it hit him. And it, he didn't, it didn't come to him in the, in his um, office or in his laboratory. It came to him taking a walk. Right. And I, I just think he was really connected to source and, and he, because of that, you know, that's why he, he says some things that a lot of metaphysical type people will will say, will quote um, that if, if you aren't standing in rapt awe, then you're good as dead already, um, because this is such an amazing, amazing place to be. It's, it's such an amazing life. And I think a lot of people are missing it, unfortunately. And he he lived it to the fullest and he had his detractors because he was a bit of a womanizer. But that was that was what made him happy. So um, I, I really I, I would love to have been able to sit down on a park bench with him and talk and talk. Yeah, it's a hard one for me because especially now, because as I dig into deeper into um, people who have gone on these journeys before us, and I would agree with you, he was he was one that was very much in the flow but you i hear a lot about stories like thomas edison and, and other people who when <laughs> i think i have this great ad admiration for those and albert einstein is one 
um, who didn't necessarily have an education or were at first thought to maybe not be an educated person, right? So, because Albert Einstein, if I remember his story, they they were questioning whether he was he had some you know was very smart or not. I and mean, obviously, <laughs> he's the most intelligent person, you know, on the planet that we know of. But Thomas Edison, same way, he didn't, didn't have schooling. Um, and then we could even go with Bob Proctor. You know, he didn't have a whole lot of schooling. So I don't know that there's a single person. I think there's just this this avatar of, of a person that I, I highly admire, and that's those people who have gone against the grain and said, I don't necessarily feel like I'm smart, but they're doing things that are just unbelievably intelligent. Right. So, yeah. And part of it's because they remain curious. They stay, yeah. they, they, they want to, they just want to know they, um, people like that, like you've described, usually it's because of, they don't fit in with the system. It's not that they don't, they don't want to be educated, but they don't fit in with the way the system is wanting them to be educated. They're outside the box. And so, yeah, Albert Einstein got actually, actually got kicked out of school and um, because he wasn't, he wasn't succumbing basically to what the, what the instructor was telling him was true. He, it didn't make sense to him and he was questioning. So he, he got in trouble for that. Yeah. I have, I have a really good friend. He does a podcast called high school and beyond and he says a lot and he gets a lot of flack for it, but he says college is not for everybody. Okay. And, but that seems to be the stigma that we, you know, we've, we put on in, in just who we are is you need to go to college and that's blah, 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 blah. And I've, I went to college and it, it really hasn't suit. It hasn't suited me. I mean, I'm not going to say I didn't, I, I would change it. Like I love what I've learned, but it's not like it's was the, the reason why I found any sort of success at all. It, it really had nothing to do with where I'm at in life. It had everything to do with what you were saying is I've, I failed to, to stop being curious and I kept mm -hmm. digging into things that, um, that intrigued me. So, um, yeah, this, again, it, it's, it's the system and, and, and you can be successful in college too. So I'm not, I, I, I want to make sure I don't <laughs> tick people off. Like I'm not saying that don't go to college because it's right. blah, but you know, it's, it's a good thing. It definitely, the knowledge is definitely there and it's, it's a wonderful thing, but it doesn't have to be the, the end all be all of go, go because you're interested in whatever it is you want to study. Don't go because you think it's going to get you a good job. That's, that's really my, my, um, soapbox about that is I was I was basically told I should go to college because um, I had the aptitude for it. And because of that, I could get a good job being an engineer. Um, I didn't even I wasn't even sure I wanted to be an engineer. That was that was kind of a weird. That's what the Air Force needed. And I was I was on an Air Force scholarship. So I became an engineer. And um, it would it have been what I what I studied. I don't know. I don't know because I, I didn't even think I had the option. So go go to school if you if you feel inclined, but go in to study something. I have a dear friend who is um, she's a philosophy major, and people told her she would never have a job. She's she's doing fine, but it, she loves what she did, and she's one of the few people in town that that teaches Latin. So mm -hmm. if we need somebody to teach you Latin, I got I got a gal. <laughs> I know somebody who wants to learn Latin, so I might have I might have a client for her. Yeah. I don't know that I would I haven't I don't know that I've ever had a desire to speak another language. That, that's an interesting thing. Maybe I should look into that. 
Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, Robin, I want to thank you so much. Um, you, you give me something to really look into because th this really is the first that I have been introduced to, um, to what you do and is very fascinating. And so I'm glad that you accepted coming onto the podcast and sharing this with everybody who's out there who probably don't know, um, what you do. So what I'm going to do is if you don't mind, I will put your contact information into the, the, the podcast, the calm podcast notes. So if anybody has questions or wants to reach out or wants to, um, possibly become a client of yours, that gives them the opportunity to do that. Um, I would love that. That's, that's wonderful of you. Thank you. Yeah. And then with the closing remarks, I always like to give my guests just the, the, this last golden nugget. Like if you could tell anybody anything, what would you tell them? Um, I would tell them that there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with any of us. We, our bodies and our, our beings are wonderful, perfectly imperfect things that, um, that if we are willing to accept what we consider imperfections as something that's a gift, then um, uh, you would live a happier, healthier life that way. I love it. That's a good one. Thank you again so much for being on. And I'm sure Thank we're going to talk Garrett. again um, soon, real soon. Yes. So, all right. Well, you have a good day, Robin, and we will talk soon. Thank you, Garrett. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you found value in this episode, the best thing you could do is to please subscribe, rate, or review this podcast. If you'd like to further investigate how you can flip your mindset, feel free to contact me through my website at www.garrettgoggins.com. I can't wait to catch you on the next episode.